Hi, this is Claudia Gray, the author of Lost Stars and Into the Dark, and you're listening to The Living Force. Welcome to The Living Force Podcast. Good luck. You're going to need it. A Utini Podcast Network production. The ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the Force. Episode 103, Star Wars The High Republic Into the Dark Roundtable, Part 1. There's a great disturbance in the Force. On this episode, the Mandalorian books canceled? Thank Eric. Mineral Husbandry with Meg. I feel the Force. And the Utini crew talks about the new Star Wars novel The High Republic Into the Dark by Claudia Gray. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Hilton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Henkel, and Wes Jenkins. Hello, everyone! Welcome into the Living Force! I am one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson. Very excited to be talking some Star Wars on another Monday evening. And joining me tonight... To celebrate all things the High Republic into the dark are the doctors. First, we have Dr. Corey Hilton. What's up, buddy? I'm good, man. Good to see you guys, as always. I'm excited to uh, talk about this one. I blew through an incredible rate of speed, which I'm excited about. Yeah, yeah. Look forward to that that story in just a hot second because uh, getting Corey into this roundtable was 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 a joy of my life. <laughs> uh, but the truest joy of my life is none other than Dr. Charles Hankel. Hey, buddy. Hey, what's up, y'all? I uh, enjoyed the episode last week with Jared. Uh, Jared, my seat is still warm, and it's a little bit weird. But um, <laughs> in all in all seriousness, I, I do think we might have to reschedule this because I think the Bachelor finale is on tonight, and <laughs> I'd rather be there. <laughs> we know Jared wow. is. Well, sp- speaking of the final Bachelor, Wes Jenkins is also here. Hello. Hey. Good to see everyone. This was my uh, this was my by the fireside read, um, in the cold, and <laughs> and also in record time. So I'm pretty excited to, to talk about it because I finished it. <laughs> That's right, everyone. This is an historic roundtable. If you're new to the Utini roundtables, um, everyone has finished the book on time, knows everything. <laughs> uh, we were talking all about it. A quick hello to some folks in the chat. Uh, that are joining us. Keep those comments going all show. We'll shout out some good ones if we do. Meg, thank you for taking attendance, uh, asking if everyone read the book. Ooh, already though, Maggie wants to know, Wes, your skin is luminous. Drop the skincare routine. What do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Is it a ring light? Is that your skincare routine? Mm, I don't have a... uh yeah, I have a ring light. Everything I have is Elgato. So, oh! <laughs> it does there sound like a makeup brand. <laughs> there ain't no way you're like straight up glowing, dude. Look at your shirt; that looks sick. Oh my goodness! Well, I'm I'm just gonna keep staring at West the whole time. Uh, but I'm happy to say, you all, uh, tonight we are going to go into part one of our two part roundtable on Into the Dark. If you're new to Utini roundtables, we're gonna talk tonight a little about the characters in the book and maybe get into a couple uh, themes and plot points. Uh, we will be getting into spoiler territory once we start, but if you haven't read the book, hang out for the first bit, because we're going to talk a little bit of Star Wars news. Uh, first thing is, of course, a plug, because we're nothing if not um, self-serving. Self-serving, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Corey, you 
this last couple months, my dude, have been a lot on the Utini website, and you created yet another brand new thing that is live right now for people <laughs> to witness. What do we got? I uh, I do have some new stuff, as always. Uh, we've been working on the website, trying to do some cool stuff. Uh, we have a new events page on the website. This is really cool. Wes, you can go ahead and throw up that screen share if you want. Um, we have uh, an event calendar on the website now. Utini.com slash events will show you all the stuff that's happening at Utini. Um, now, nowadays, every single week, we're keeping this thing nice and updated. And uh, it looks it looks pretty sick. I'm pretty pleased with it. Like, uh, we're going to have all our podcasts, all our live shows and stuff on here. Uh, Conja Book Club will have their sort of reading schedule, what books are coming out. Uh, so if you've been trying to keep up with the stuff that's been happening at Utini, check it out. Utini.com slash events for sure. Yeah, we realize that with the amount of stuff that's happening on a weekly basis, there are still some folks that go to the site that don't know we have this live show, that don't know we have certain things happening in Discord on YouTube. So head over to that event calendar. Everything is going to be there that we do unless we forget to put it in Coda. Um, <laughs> but I'm hoping we won't. Uh, but speaking of new things coming out at Utini, we wanted to start the weekly plug of a new show that's going to be coming in a couple weeks. You may know it. You may love it already in your heart. It is the Cosmic Force. That is our upcoming live comic show. Uh, as we said a couple weeks back, this is going to be essentially the third show in our live trinity on YouTube of The Living Force, which does your your mostly canon novels, the kind of stuff. We're going to have uh, Legends look back, and now with that Sexy logo! Oh my goodness! I have not Look seen this. this. I was gonna say, have you guys even seen I this? I have yet? not seen this. Yeah, this is the this is the new logo that uh, Jose put together for us. It's pretty cool. Wow. Also, a uh, little sneak peek at the Utini Network logo. Uh, we, yeah, that's the Utini gonna... Podcast Network. Yeah, yeah it's gonna like be a little fun. The radiation waves going off. On yeah, the top right. Of the eye there. That's all, Jose. Man, <laughs> he's super talented. I love seeing the stuff he puts wow. together. So this one turned out really good. I'm excited to, to get the show launched for sure. They're coming along too, man. I think we're doing our first. Uh, we're doing our first um, like full dress rehearsals this this week with cameras mm-hmm. and overlays and all kinds of stuff. So it's exciting, man! It's exciting. Yeah, and uh, and Corey, when so we're gonna get the sneak peek, of course. We're gonna grill the hosts. We're gonna make them feel bad and cry, as we all had to when we started our live show. That's right. That's right. Uh, hey, uh, first off, I'm gonna need you to back up from the camera because something about your face is just not speaking to me. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretty pretty much sums up uh, Eric's entire first uh, half of video. My God, course. my God! Uh, <laughs> but when, once we have all the notes, it Corey, when are people finally going to be able to tune into the Cosmic Force? So you know, last time I got the date wrong. It's not on April first. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, it's not on April first. So I think I, I want to get it right. I think it's the second week of April. I think that's when we're we're officially going live with that show. So you know, I'm not going to give you an exact date. Somewhere in early April. How about that? <laughs> but you know where you're going to be able to find it. On the Utini events calendar! That is so, correct. Uh, and we'll eventually actually know the date, but a lot of great stuff coming up for all you comics fans. Uh, absolutely can't wait for that show. All right, now, moving over to... Oh, hold on. I didn't put this in code, but I remembered it in my brain. I want all of you to join me in uh, wishing our Alliance High Command member and my mom it's a happy birthday! Sally Eilerson! Happy March 15th. Happy birthday! Can we sing? Is this where we sing? We Happy don't. Bur- oh. We do. Oh. Oh. We oh. might. Oh, no. <laughs> do you? Here you go. Here How about go. this? How about this? <laughs> That's that great. There you go. Uh, Mom, I love you. I hope you're having a great day. Um, I'm very excited. I have not seen her since COVID started. Um, wow. So this is, yeah. That's crazy, dude. Uh, 
Well, at Soon, least, no, man. we saw each other like in a, we met in a park, like masked in a park. Okay, but okay. um, Counts. I got my first my first dose. I'm set. That's far so enough. My... You're far yeah, enough. <laughs> that was it. So it's been the first year of her life. I didn't hug my mom. So finishing that up. Love you. Happy birthday. All right, now back to the business of Utini, which is our glorious patrons. We wanted to welcome Will Jacobs, who joined us this week as a monthly patron. Thank you so much, Will. We hope you're enjoying some of the stuff we've already put on the old Patreon this week, including there was a Ghost Crew episode, there was a Star Wars Archives episode. Um, I hope you feel good about that, you know? I just hope that you don't regret what you've done. And if you have, you know, it's only a month. Who's to say? But uh, better than that, uh, Charles, you're back. So, wait, are you reading a Patron of the Week? Corey, do we have a video this week? Don't have a video, but we do have uh, we do have a Patron of the Week oh, this week. Oh, good. Charles. Okay. You got to get back to work. Your vacation is over. <laughs> I was born for this. All right. Patron of the week this week is Scott Bupp. And he says, hello, my name is Scott Bupp, like up with a B in the front. Thank God I read that <laughs> beforehand. So helpful. <laughs> I am originally from New Mexico, but currently uh, called Sao Paulo, Brazil home. I am not Whoa! entirely sure when I first saw the original trilogy, but I know at some point prior to the prequels release, I watched the VHS tapes my family had. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on. We got no audio. Shit. Oh, no. <laughs> hold on. All right, we're going to get the audio. Wow. But he, all right, start that over, Charles. Sorry. All right, all right. It was a Our, dry run. You all didn't want to hear that one anyway. There was, it, it, oh, was it was bad. bad. I stumbled it was not over the great. name. I, yeah. So, all right. All Patron right. of the <laughs> week this week is still Scott Bupp. And he says, hello, my name is Scott Bupp. Fitting. Yes! I am originally from New Mexico, but currently call Sao Paulo, Brazil home. I'm not entirely sure when I first saw the original trilogy, but I know at some point prior to the prequel's release, I watched the VHS tapes my family had. I've always enjoyed Star Wars, but my true love for it came during college when I watched all of the Clone Wars animated series for the first time. The show was, uh, the, show was the first time I realized how vast the Star Wars universe can be. The show led me to pick up my first couple of books, the A New Hope novelization and Dark Disciple. From there, I was hooked on all things Star Wars. My favorite film is Revenge of the Sith. I cannot watch Order 66 without shedding a tear. Plus, as a kid, I loved how many different types of non-human species Rots had. My favorite Star Wars literature has to be the Ahsoka book. Ahsoka became my favorite character in Star Wars as I watched the Clone Wars, and after the Season 5 finale, I needed to know what happened to her. Ahsoka was the first Star Wars novel I pre-ordered and one of the fastest I have read. Thus, it will always hold a special place in my love for Star Wars. Hmm. I came across Utini about this time last year. We had just started quarantine when I stumbled across the Utini timeline. From there, I started listening to The Living Force and joined Patreon when the Conjure Book Club launched. So shout out to Timothy, Adam, and Patrick. I came to Patreon for the Conjure Book Club and stayed for all of the great content. I don't have many friends who go beyond the movies and TV shows, so I love that Utini is a place that I can discuss books and comics. So thank you to all of the Utini team for being great. My question for the hosts, if you were to start your pursuit of galactic conquest and domination, what planet would you want to be the first to fall <laughs> under your mighty hand? Mighty Ooh. hand. Uh, that's wow. Um, <laughs> wow. So first of all, shout out to Scott Bupp. Uh, you're a wonderful patron of the week. This was great. I think it's awesome that you are one of our international listeners from Brazil yeah, man. and, uh, or living in Brazil at least. And, uh, now let's, let's get to answering his awesome question. What Corey, why, why do I feel like want? you already know your answer? Corey? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, Charles, I am nothing if not predictable. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a classic guy. I think you got to go right for right for the throat, right? Right for the throat. You got to go like right where they don't expect you don't expect you to go. You got to cross the line just right immediately with that power, you know that the, the death star, you know, if you're going to destroy a world, you got to blow up Alderaan, man. Like it's peaceful, it's civilized, they have wealth, you know. Wow. If Alderaan can go, then anybody can go. Also, for the record, for the record, <laughs> Scott definitely said, "What planet would you want to fall under your hand?" Said yes. nothing about destroying <laughs> a world. Like you conquer so that's you don't all destroy it. That's all you. <laughs> All right, all right, okay, okay, back up a little bit. All right, first I'm going to blow up Alderaan, all okay, right? Okay, great, yep, And yep. then, then I'm just going to, I'm going to go straight to Coruscant, because no one's going to, no one's going to even argue with me after that, so. Ah, uh, so destroy Park Place right on to Broadway, all right. I all saw right. Corey <laughs> killing younglings. That's, that's how I just felt about that. Wow. And, you, and your that's answer a, is not well, strategic whatsoever. Alderaan offers you nothing other than a bunch of peaceful people who won't fight for you or fight back. I'm yeah. taking Mon Cala, okay, because they build Ooh. all of the ships. I'm going to take over. They're all they're great military minds, like Akbar. They build amazing cruisers that I can use as the front of my fleet moving forward as I conquer the rest of the galaxy. Uh, that's uh, real quick for all our audio listeners. I we blew past Charles. You did a perfect like physical visual of Obi-Wan in Revenge of the Sith when he says that. Like you had like the hand thing. I want to throw that out. And well, Jason Mitchell says in the chat, Alderaan must have a bunch of movie theaters if Corey feels so deeply about blowing it up. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Uh, I'm going to go with you, Charles, and go strategic here. Uh, I want to conquer Iriadu, and I want to get, like, Tarkin's people who are, like, yes. the hunters. And, like, the, like if, I, if I conquer this planet and I prove my strength, right, and I take them down, then they join me as respecting my power and, like, lead my military. It's done. Game over. See, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to do the same thing. Corey, you're on the outs because I'm going to conquer Corellia mm. and I'm going to get those ships. Mm-hmm. And I'm going I'm I'm to get great that pilots. battle fleet. Yeah, and while Corey's killing people, we're actually bringing them in and building an army. Yeah, ooh, a, billion, ooh. a billion voices cried out, and we're suddenly in silence. Jeez, the eyes. It's the eyes that does it. Meg must have the band hammer going again. That's what they're yeah. Spice Den, our, our, our glorious Jacob over in the chat, uh, mentions uh, Shutorin, uh, which is from the a couple yeah, arcs ago yeah. in the Star Wars mainline comic, uh, a nice plug for the for the cosmic force. Maybe we'll talk about that. A great strategic option as well. Uh, awesome. So Scott, thank you, thank you for the question. Always like these are some of my favorite things we do because we can't really prep for them because I don't read the notes. Uh, but I'm really glad that you are enjoying yourself in Utini. And again, if you are, are a patron of Utini, keep your eyes open. You may be our next patron of the week. All right, time for a vastly abbreviated Star Wars Weekly Roundup. Not much news this week, except for a little sad news. Um, remember how we were going to get that book about the Mandalorian last year, and then it was a little later last year, and then it was like a year later this year? Well, it's gone now! Um, the Mandalorian by Adam Christopher, working title, has officially been canceled by our friends at Del Rey. Um, they have assured us that Adam is already working on another book for them, uh, but we, we don't know. Obviously, we'll never know the full details of this it may be because 
certain things in season two uh, took the story in different ways. It could be because due to the Gina Carano drama, they didn't want Cara Dune having a prominent feature. Who knows? Um, but anyway, as we as we see on the screen right now, that is canceled on Yutini timeline. You will see it is canceled, so you won't foolishly pre-order said thing. However, there was another casualty, and that's the Mandalorian Ultimate Visual Guide that Pablo Hidalgo was working on. Also got canceled. Uh, again, we don't know. It's it's all about speculation about why these things happen. Things mm. get canceled in publishing all the time. Yeah. And just, I mean, we just happen to follow every book in Star Wars. Like, we are uniquely correct. situated, you know? Um, and it maybe seemed like, you know, I, I might go out of out of left field a little bit see here and, and say that. Maybe they announced that one a little too soon. Um, mm-hmm. Like... Like they didn't they announce that while we were very early in the Mandalorian. I think we were like we're under season one. Yeah, it was like <laughs> under five episodes or something like that had been released yet. Yeah. So and then they delayed it by a huge amount, and then I don't know. It was it was sort of sort of a rocky start from the beginning. So sad to see yeah. that one go. But you know, here's another one for you guys. I don't think I don't think we're done with Mandalorian and books though. Like I think no, I, I no, think no, uh, no, no way. I think um, after we get through Book of Boba Fett and. Maybe they might actually conclude the show. When they conclude the show, I bet we'll actually see some content in the in the expanded universe, which would be pretty rad. Yeah, I, I think it feels like when they announced like the ultimate visual guide. When you hear that, it seems like it should be all encompassing. I don't think they knew that it was going to be so successful that yeah. they would get like two season two, season three, maybe season four, like. Let's yeah. wait until it's done and then do an ultimate guide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll get a season one guide, and maybe this book was supposed to be like a little more final to like, oh, let's finish the story of Mando, and now they're like. Well, actually, we can make a lot more money if yeah. we make more television. And it's like, yeah, and you know. they've uh, they've learned a lot of lessons, I think, with the sequel trilogy about doing projects at the same time. Like, it's pretty yeah, challenging. Sure. It's pretty challenging creatively to uh, not step on everybody's toes when everybody's sort of backed into a corner with somebody else's work. Right now that they're trying to yeah. keep everything nice and continuous with canon, so. Yeah, so keep an eye out, though. Our friends at again <laughs> DK Inside Editions—they're always putting out amazing reference books. We'll keep you all posted on when those get re-released. Uh, only one other thing for news this week, honestly. Uh, I wanted to mention a couple comics. One, Star Wars number 12 came out this week that Charles Soule wrote. It was a really cute story between Kess Dameron and Princess Leia where they talked about Shara Bay and Han in like a little bit of a love story way. Um, Charles Soule talked about it as kind of like a, a issue between the last big arc and then the upcoming uh, Bounty Hunter Wars massive event. But... Uh, an image came out today from an upcoming High Republic novel. Can we throw that up on the screen real quick? Um, this is a variant cover or a full cover to High Republic number six. <laughs> this is Avar Chris just riding a Rancor. <laughs> it's just maybe the coolest image I've ever seen in my life. And it, it doesn't seem like a tamed Rancor. No, either. it doesn't. No. <laughs> It's enormous. Look at the size of the thing. Well, and it's crazy because, like, this, I mean, I don't know about you guys, this makes me think, like, this is. So legends. This is Bane. Yes. This is Kotor. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? It's so much love for that. Do you remember early, very early on in uh, in Kotor? You have to kill the Rancor, and like the mm-hmm. it's like the it's like in the sewers on Terrace. You have to kill the yeah, Rancor. You, you put the bombs in the food. Yes, I have played. Listen, I've played that game like ten times. You can heard me talk about it endlessly. Every single time, I have to look up how to kill the Rancor. I can never freaking remember <laughs> because it's like so particular. You have to like. Put the scent on your body and yeah. then like go put the grenade in the stuff. It's like uh, it's so hard. I can't even remember how to do it. <laughs> it's a lot. Oh my gosh! Already on this image, John Dutch Vander says he's ready to commit to a full back tattoo, and I think that's the one to do. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, 
And then, of course, Shell brings up a great point. Uh, Courtship of Princess Leia also famously has some good Rancor action, but uh, this is just a tease. Again, if you're not on the the comics yet, on the Higher Republic comic series, this is uh, is where it's going. So, for some reason, Avar Chris, uh, star of Light of the Jedi, is going to be riding a freaking Rancor in a visual medium. So, uh, pre-order is open now, you know, in your local comic book stores. But, of course, if you're looking to buy some books that are coming out soon, including the script book of the Dr. Afro audio drama and Thrawn Ascendancy Greater Good, both coming out April 6th and April 27th, respectively, head over to the Utini New Releases page, get those pre-orders in. You're going to be on a part of these conversations, and you'll be part of the future roundtables we do on those books. All right, because this is a roundtable episode, we are skipping the book reviews just for this week and next. They'll be back soon. Keep those reviews coming over at utini.com. Before I throw it to Charles, uh, we have another team member that we asked for their opinions on Into the Dark. So before we tell you what we thought, let's ask our very own Meg Dowell what she thought about Claudia Gray's latest novel. What do rocks eat? Pomegranates. What did the rock say to the word processor? Boulder. Hello, and welcome to the only room in my house that doesn't have any books in it. Oh, okay. One book. Math. So let's see, what did Eric want me to talk about? Express your thoughts on the book. It's good. How it felt to get your review on the what? My review on the what? Oh my god! My words are on a Star War? Oh my god, my words are on a Star Wars. Come on, put my words right on the, there, on the thing. <laughs> no, my words are on there. Forget it. Ow. Who did this? This actually came as a total surprise to me. I don't actually know how it happened. Like the actual putting of the words on the thing. It's called a dust jacket. And I don't know who's in charge of what goes on the back of these, but uh, I might love you, you rock. If I remember right, this book hit pretty high in the nines for me, and that has nothing to do with my blurb review thing, or the fact that Claudia Gray has yet to disappoint me. Everything from the plot to the characters to the writing just screams really good Star Wars story. But as with every Claudia Gray Star Wars, it's really the characters that do it for me. Like in our world, Orla's parents would have like expected her to study to become a doctor and she like would have done that. Becoming part of the Jedi Order was like the only plan she'd ever known. So when she started to like question whether or not that was the path she wanted to take, it kind of triggered this like existential crisis for her, which who hasn't experienced that like within the last year alone. And Wraith Silas is like all of us in that one high school class where you could choose between doing like a creative big group project or like writing a paper in the library by yourself. He'd always choose the library. Same. He doesn't want to go to the frontier. He wants to chill in the archives. Same. And Geode, definitely the most lively Star Wars character there's ever been. And the most talkative, like even more than 3PO, does he ever shut up. After a while you just start to tune him out because it's like on and on and on about the latest Rolling Stone article. Like, bro, I don't care. Hashtag Geode rocks. This book is overall the perfect introduction into some of the darker things we're gonna see in the High Republic later on. Wait. Is, is that why it's called Into the Dark? Wow. 
If you want to hear more of my thoughts on this book, you can head over to utini.com and read my written review. The Claudia Gray Stan Club is active and always accepting new members. I hope you enjoy the book and may the courts be with you. Back to you, boys. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm never gonna get asked to do anything for this company ever again. <laughs> <laughs> oh Holy my god smokes. although Man. i don't know we might get our youtube channel canceled for all that vulgarity rock reproduction that was happening throughout. oh my gosh just <laughs> it's whole they're budding Gio's whole, whole oh family my god. Uh, probably watched you. her go get all of these rocks from like outside in the yard by the mailbox <laughs> and carry them into the house one by one uh, oh, man that Meg, was phenomenal and she's doing it again She's bringing in another one. <laughs> <laughs> so real quick, if you did miss it in the video, uh, if you own Into the Dark, on the back, the second quote of the dust jacket is from Dork Side of the Forest, which is Meg Dowell writing. Uh, she says, quote, in the books she has released so far, it's clear she knows exactly the kind of content that will get Star Wars fans excited to keep turning pages. Whatever's next for this author, it's going to be worth the wait. She doesn't have to one-up her latest masterpiece. She just has to keep creating more. That's all we ask. So, Meg, awesome having your words in Into the Dark. Thank you for teaching us all about rock reproduction. Charles, <laughs> back to work. Let's all do right. it. All right. It is roundtable time, so let's do this. We're going to kick it off with a plot <laughs> overview. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank the you. The horns. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna kick it off with a plot overview. It, admittedly, this was very hard to make concise, and so I compromised and did not make it concise whatsoever. But here we go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, Reith Silas loves his studies on Coruscant dearly, which is why it comes as a shock when he's informed by his master Jorah Mali that they will be transferring to the Starlight Beacon on the edge of known space. Wreath meets up with a group of other Jedi to travel to Starlight, including Des Ryden, Master Mali's first Padawan, Orla Jereni, a, a Jedi Wayseeker, and Comac Vitus, a Jedi Scholar. Together, they board the vessel, a small transport ship from the Bind Guild's fleet, captained by Leox Gyasi, sure, and his crew, the young Appy What did you Hollow, call me? <laughs> <laughs> the young Appy Hollow and Geode, a Vintian navigator. On the way to Starlight, the great disaster occurs, for, uh, forcing all ships from hyperspace, and the vessel finds itself stranded in a remote area of space with a handful of other ships. But nearby, there appears to be some sort of space station. The ships work together to board the station, which they find is some sort of space terrarium, if you will, filled with plant life. However, the Jedi can sense an ominous presence <clears throat> as well, which they believe to be emanating from a set of idols found at the heart of the station. The crews of the other ships that board the station turn out to be pirates and other ne'er-do-wells, except for a young girl named Nan and her caretaker, Haig, whose derelict ship barely makes it to the station. Amongst the chaos of the new arrivals, Affy, Wreath, and the rest of the team set off to explore. Affy discovers messages written on storage lockers of the station, messages that imply not only that the Bind Guild has been there before, but that her parents may have been as well. Together, Orla and Comac manage to break the force bind on the mysterious idols, but the experience drags up bad memories from a shared mission in their past. <clears throat> Elsewhere, while exploring the station, Des Ryden disappears behind a door housing helix rings, power sources used to launch ships into hyperspace. He's presumed dead. Despite their losses, the Jedi receive word from Chancellor So that the hyperspace lanes are being carefully reopened, so they board the vessel along with the idols and leave for Coruscant. Nan and Hag remain behind to fix up their ship. 
Upon their return to Coruscant, Orla and Comac lead a team to purge the Eddos of their dark side energy, only there doesn't appear to be any. Suddenly, the Jedi realize the energy must have been coming from something else aboard the station, and that removing the idols likely set that something free. Orla and Comac decide they must return at all costs. After a meeting with the Jedi Council regarding the untimely death of Master Jorah Mali uh, during the events of the Great Disaster and the subsequent struggle with the Nile, Wreath is told he must decide whether he will remain on Coruscant or return to Starlight Beacon with a new master. During that discussion, he also becomes privy to new information that implies Nan is not as innocent as she previously seemed, but is rather a member of the group known as the Nile. He vows also to return to the Amaxine station and learn more about Nan while possibly taking her into custody. Luckily for the Jedi, the crew of the vessel also plan to return to further investigate Afi's findings. So together, they all fly back, only to find that a Nile warship has appeared. The Jedi manage to sneak back aboard the station and find the plans... Uh, oh, find that the plants, rather, have overrun the station, <laughs> taking on a more corporeal form with sinister designs. These plants identify themselves as the Drangir. As Wreath further investigates the helix rings that took Dez's life, he accidentally reactivates them. Rather than incinerating him, they propel a small escape pod to a new location where it crash lands. And once leaving the pod, he's confronted by more Drangir who have imprisoned Dez Raiden and poisoned his body and mind. They prompt Dez to attack Wreath and the two square off. Ultimately, Wreath is able to get through to Dez and return to the Amaxine station unharmed. The Nile noticed the return of the Jedi and also board the station, leading to a massive three-sided battle, including the Jedi, the Drangir, and the Nile. Ultimately, the Jedi prevail and the heroes escape, leaving the Drangir trapped once again behind. Back on Coruscant, Afi confronts Scover Bind about the fate of her parents. Bind denies any wrongdoing, which leads Afi to turning her into Coruscant authorities. The Bind Guild is dissolved due to their illegal use of indentured servants. The vessel is passed into the possession of Leox as the captain, but he, in turn, turns it over to Afi. Wreath requests that Comac become his new master, and Comac accepts. The pair plan to travel the galaxy together, respecting one of Jorah Mali's last wishes. Cut to Nan, approaching none other than Marky and Roe, the undisputed leader of the Nile. Roe once again declares that the end of the Jedi is nigh. The end. Note, I have not rehashed the entire old mission with Orlac and Comac's uh, past as Padawans, but we're going to skip over that for now. So, there's your recap. Only took about Dang. five minutes. Uh, it was incredible. <laughs> that was thorough yeah. as hell. <laughs> you should do this. You reminded me about a lot of the book. Yeah. Okay. The well, man. that's good. Um, yeah. now, that, now that you know what happened in this book, <laughs> can you rate it from a one to ten? Don't say why just yet. We're going to come back around to that at the end. Wes, why don't you kick us off? Okay. I start off with an 8.6. Mm. All right. Mm. All right, Eric. Uh, mm. Corey. <laughs> I will go with a 7.4. Ooh. Okay. All right, Corey. I thought uh, it was going to be the lowest score on here. I was actually going to say 7.5, and I have I have a very specific reason for, for rating it pretty low, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Cool. Okay. All right, and my score is an 8.0. So Nice. Sweet. We're not all that far Varied. apart from each other, but... Not yeah. super, but enough. You want me to show the... I can show the official review if you want me to. Yeah. It's It's got yeah. a... Uh, officially, Utini rated 8.9, so much higher than all of us. That's very interesting. 
Um, a lot of people look at these books um, on our team. How big is our review team, Eric? Like five, ten people, something like that? Ten, eight, ten. Well, and yeah. It's pretty large. And, some, and sometimes some people that don't like things as much don't get their review scores in on time. And then sometimes it's different. That's right. Um, but yeah, right. we've been we pretty decent eight to ten people. It's got an eight, 8 for plot, 8.8 8 for characters, 9.3 for writing, 9.3 for entertainment, 9.3 for originality. So, you know, pretty well-rounded book. Almost Oh, wow. Nine. Look at that. Look at that thirst trap you did right there with Nathan's face. <laughs> you know what, guys? That's let's the wrong just, video review. Let's, let's just... Oh, it is the wrong video review. I must have been using this page for testing. That's probably why. But anyway, you know, there it is. There's Nathan. That. Hey, buddy. Hey, Nathan. <laughs> there it is. Well, beautiful. So... We rated things a little bit lower, but uh, maybe we'll change our minds by the time we get to the end of this second part of the roundtable, and we can talk about how we're going to rate things at that point in time. But let's kick this off, y'all. We got to talk about characters, and we're going to start mm. with Reith Silas himself. And Reith, I think, is interesting uh, because he's a very different kind of Jedi than what we're probably used to seeing. I presume mm. he would get along very well with Jocasta New. Uh, he was more into books than battles is how I like to put it more into learning than mm-hmm. lightsabers. Uh, and while we may be more accustomed to Jedi, like <laughs> Des Amazing. or Anakin, did Reith resonate with you? Did, did his character being that different type of Jedi, did that idea resonate with you? Nerd. I, I liked it. <laughs> yeah. He's a nerd. I, I liked it. I will admit I liked him more after we had our talk with Claudia Gray. Um, Subtle flex on the YouTube channel and the podcast feed. Um, <laughs> but when she said that when she, she was writing it, she thought of him as Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, like, I forgot oh, yes. about that. Dang it. That would have changed my view of the book. Yeah, it totally uh, then clicked in. I liked the idea of him. I think the execution was a little tough because for me in the beginning of the book, his hesitancy to go on adventure as the protagonist was like, then do I as the reader have a hesitancy to go further? Mm-hmm. Which was which was interesting. Um but I did, I did like the idea, though, that we have, like, of course, we have a Jedi that wants to be more of a scholar. Like, of course we do. There's hundreds of Jedi at this yeah, point. Yeah. So there's no way they'd all, like, they're only supposed to use our lightsabers in case of emergency anyway. So I like that she also kept him very competent in that. Like, he was a very good swordsman. He just didn't want to do it. And I like that part yeah. of him. Yeah, I, I totally Same. backed that up. Like, um... I can't remember when we talked about this, but there was a long time ago when we talked about the Jedi Order and different sects that are in the Jedi Order and stuff. And uh, there are, like, multiple Jedi councils and all kinds of stuff. Like, on if you read the old legends, Wikipedia stuff, I bet yeah. Trevor bet Trevor could tell us a lot of interesting stuff about the Jedi. <laughs> um, but there's, like, lots of different types of Jedi that we have virtually unexplored in comics and books and stuff. So, you know, I, I like seeing it. I, I'm with you, though, Eric. I, I found him a little... I was a little hesitant to totally fall in love with him as a character early on because, like, I, I think it was pretty predictable that he was going to be an adventure-type character, and he definitely didn't start there, so I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, Morton's doing crazy stuff behind me. <laughs> I see. What the hell is he doing back there? <laughs> He's itching his uh, face. Eric has a corgi for our non-video <laughs> listeners, and uh, he's, like, going crazy on his face back there. <laughs> There he is. <laughs> Scary demon eyes <laughs> with the reflection. Ray does that too. Attributed, uh, attributed wreath to like a, a lightweight MMA fighter. Oh, <laughs> sure. What? Do so tell. Like, Do so tell. so <laughs> they look just like you and me, but they can kick ass and you don't know it. 
They, they do all the things. <laughs> That's great. That you and I do, but you just, but you don't want to get in a fight with these guys because you have no idea about their skill set. MMA Bring fighters, they're that. just like us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, um, man. That's not where I thought that was going, but of course, we do have a couple Blimey. quotes about Reef from his master, who may have known him better than anyone, Jorah Malley. She doesn't mention MMA fighting, but what she does say is, on page two, his strength in the Force isn't remarkable, not among the Jedi, but Reef works harder than almost any Padawan I've ever known. And then on page seven, she says to Reef, uh, you prefer to concentrate on those areas where you believe effort counts more than talent. But you have more than enough talent for anything you set your mind to, and effort always counts for any task in any place. And so I do find that that makes Reef probably more relatable because probably most of us reading these books, we don't think we are the best at everything. We don't think we would be like the pinnacle hey, of yourself. a Jedi. Corey, okay. yeah. <laughs> I feel that way. And so I found myself relating to Reef in that he's just a dude who tries really hard. And he is a good mm-hmm. Jedi for that reason. It's not that he's the most talented. He is not the chosen one, but he tries hard. And that matters. He's the chosen one. Yeah, and you know what's, what also, like, that passage and a lot of the stuff about Wreath honestly made me think more that Jorah Molly was just, like, a really freaking good Jedi Master. Like, all of her lessons to Wreath were really excellent, and it made me, like, I, I think the, the order, the publishing order, obviously, chronologically, is very smart to do Light of the Jedi and then this. But to meet Jorah and have that time and experience her loss in Light of the Jedi, then to come back here and, like, see how good of a teacher she was, like, retroactively made that hurt more. And I think that was seen through Reed's eyes very well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sad. So I think it could probably be argued that what Reith wanted for himself was more time on Coruscant and more time to study and understand the force. What his master, what Jorah wanted for him was to have the opportunity to go out and live and help more people, I think, directly than he would have had the opportunity to do on Coruscant. Is one of those more admirable than the other was there a right decision mm. in there it's like mm. a gap year <laughs> like, hey man listen you want to study i get it oh, a gap to- year that's um, funny man wreath really makes me want a young jacosta news story like i want to yeah, know kind of what it is i mean yeah, a little Jocasta's bit yeah but super you new. know I, I i will say that the, the, the <laughs> super new <laughs> what the hell? i'm sorry Oh, when would that, that take great. place? Like 400 years before? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> my God. Oh, my God. That is that's phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, man. No, but that, that's a good point, though. And I think there's there's obviously, like, I think Claudia Gray definitely does a good job balancing the both of them. Like, clearly, Wreath needed this for his development. Like, he needed to get out. Jordan knew that. But I don't think that she ever says in the book, like, you know, he was being foolish by studying all the time. Like, he should have gotten out. He was a bookworm. Like, that's still very valid. Mm-hmm. And I think, like anything with Jedi, she just really <clears throat> makes it important that there's balance. Yeah. You know, you need to make sure you have a balanced life. You need to make sure you have balance yeah. in all aspects of the Force. So why not your training? Yeah. She really hammered it home <clears throat> about how he did not want to leave Coruscant. And there was a lot in the beginning where he was just like, yeah, but I could still be here on Coruscant doing this. And. Um, I know I could go out and it could be risky, but I could be safe here on Coruscant doing this. Like she, she really let us know that that was that was where he thought that he wanted to go with his studies, but um, eventually, like the growth 
that uh, as a Padawan that he learned that, that helped out a lot. Dude, this is just me talking to my boss about why I should work from home permanently. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm safe here. I'm productive. <laughs> why do I need to go in the office? Like, yeah. There's no reason for it. There's drank gear in the office. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. So a lot of what y'all are saying, a, a lot of Reese's story, I think when you get to the core of it is what does it mean to be a quote unquote good Jedi? What does that mean? He constantly mm-hmm. wonders why he isn't more like Dez or, or his master Jorah. But what does it truly mean to be a good Jedi? And is there a lesson in that Reith chose what his master wanted for him? What what do we take away from that? Mm. Like, it, it's almost implied when the protagonist makes that final decision that it was, in fact, the right one. But was it that he was right. choosing to live like Jorah or more like Dez? Or was it that he was choosing not to be comfortable, choosing to push his boundaries? Whatever those might be. Mm. Hmm. I think he may, he may have been choosing to apply what he's learned, right? Mm. So he can read all about, you know, the the, the battles and and in uh, Jedi meditation. But how is he going to apply that? So being in those uncomfortable situations, like you said, helps him to apply his learning, or, or else you just, you know, you're reading stories, man. What? Get out there and be productive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Do you remember when the all... Drangir took over the Maxine station? Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> <laughs> that's the secret hero of this book. <laughs> but I think that's a that's a great like balance oh. in all of Star Wars, right? That's the battle with Jedi. Like Yoda sits on Dagobah for thirty years or or, or eighteen years in exile and like listens and stuff. But he's not out helping. He's not saving lives. But he's also learning. And then Luke leaves early to go act. So he should have kept his training. But in leaving, does he save Leia? So, like, you know, it's it's always that idea. You can always learn more. You can always wait longer, probably. But at some point, like you're saying, Wes, you got to do the thing. You got to go help people. And I think the High Republic, honestly, as a, as a, as a whole, is really saying the Jedi help people first. That's their primary goal. So Wreath kind of has to go ahead and hit the road there jack and don't you that's right back? no okay no mo, no mo, no no <laughs> i got you all right well let's move on from reef and talk about his counterpart affy hollow and just to remind everyone affy she's the young up-and-coming member of the bind guild she's a crew member aboard the vessel and really a, a lot of her story revolves around the death of her parents and her relationship mm-hmm. with scover bind who was the leader of the Bond Guild and served essentially as her mother figure. And, you know, ultimately, Affy is betrayed by Scover. And we learn that the guild that Scover runs was basically operating by using indentured servants, including Affy's parents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've talked a lot about slavery in Star Wars. This might be the first time that we've encountered indentured servitude. And I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on this. Mm on this topic or or eric you look like you maybe are remembering another instance no i i think because i think the indentured servitude thing i think is referenced like by the huts i think i'm i'm trying to remember if that was like the paradise snare if any of the pilgrims in elysia were kind of semi-indentured servants um 
But but regardless, um, my official stance on indentured servitude, Charles, is that it's bad. <laughs> um, I think it's a okay. bad thing. Um, I'm glad you laid that out. Yeah, all right, we were all we were all a little iffy we'll, with we'll you. We'll start there. <laughs> but I do think it's interesting. You know, we've had the dead parents story before. We've had the you know Anakin with a slave. We've had we've had similar stories before. But there was an interesting part about finding out that your parents were kind of a lower tier to something that you're trying to inherit. Like she is kind of trying to inherit the whole guild. Mm-hmm. Like she could have been a Zori Bliss trying <clears throat> to take over the the spice runners but instead she's trying to secretly take over a thing that actually put her parents down in this subjugated realm so i think like the emotional gymnastics Affie had to go through especially in the last third of the book i'd say were pretty unique yeah her uh her sleuthing skills were something to be to be admired there because if i would look at the i was like this is just like some some notches on the wall there <laughs> <laughs> some uh, some some hieroglyphs this, that I have. This person was real bad at tic tac toe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Those hieroglyphs. You got someone else there? Hieroglyphs. <laughs> there's good that there was a. Uh, I mean, there's problem solving in there. So they, Claudia Gray, put that into the book for you to think mm-hmm. as well before she actually gave the answer. Right. Yeah. It's like, what is that about? Sure. Sure. I, I think that the character of Affy kind of serves as a surrogate for the reader as well. Not that we've all had this experience where we find this horrible history out about our parents, but she's surrounded by all the superpowered Jedi and evil plants and maybe talking moving rocks, but she's just a normal person that's really trying to make her way in the universe. And I'm curious, did Affy's perspective help to keep you grounded throughout this story that's filled with so much that's just entirely unrelatable? I I thought so. And Claudia Gray is really good at writing young characters too. Maybe yeah. particularly young women also. Like mm-hmm. um she's really good at, at creating really relatable characters and I I will say uh so I I blew through this book in like a really rapid time. Yeah, tell that story. Tell that story real yeah. quick. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> uh last week you guys know I've been really busy building the website and doing all this stuff kind of behind the scenes that it isn't really directly related to the show, so it, it doesn't really get a lot of credit here, I suppose. Um, but uh, I've been really busy with other Utini stuff lately, and I've been really putting off reading this book. And I tried to start it multiple times. I got through the first two chapters and would just put it down and just never get back around to reading it. I messaged Eric <laughs> last week, and I was like, I don't think I'm going to have this book read in time. And Eric gave me the talk. <laughs> it was like very much like Dad saying, like, Corey... So, okay, you've had two months, um, but okay, oh is this a pattern? It was very much like, is this a pattern? Yes. That we need to, 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 to I laid it, it all out in that phenomenal. way. phenomenal. <laughs> Eric gave me a talking to, and I was like, damn it, you're right. Like, I was kind of a jerk about it. Anyway, so I'm like, fine, you want to read this book? I'll sit down and read the damn book. So it, it was, was like, like a teenager being like, fine, mom. It was like 3 p.m., like Thursday of last week. And I sat down at 3 p.m. and I didn't put it down until 12:45 a.m. and I finished it in one sitting. So it was the most. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I can't remember what I posted in Slack. I, just, I think I said something like, I, "I just messaged you guys at like 12:30 at night and I was like, I finished the book, you assholes, or something." Yeah, like you that. did. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "I'm uh, proud of you, sweetie." Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, the reason I bring that up is I blew through it so utterly fast that, like, 
it was very challenging for me to to get a lot of the characters right, and it took me a long time to get the crew right for some reason. Affy and who's the hippie dude? What's the guy's name? Leox. Leox. Yeah, it took me a long time to get Affy and Leox like right for some reason. I don't know why. I just couldn't keep them straight in my head. So I think for like the first quarter of the book, like every time Affy would show up, I'd be like, "This hippie dude is really." odd like why does he keep changing his <laughs> and it's i was just like really confused so you know is that how you pronounce his name is that what he they say in the audio leox leox how do you say what did it? you say leo shit i mean well i mean i'm in texas so louisiana is right next to me so i was saying like lou or like lou. Oh, oh right that's a good point <laughs> oh that's cool i think i said leo in my head actually i think it's leox that I was just attributed to like Boudreaux, you know how that yeah. you know, oh, spells totally. out yeah. B-A-U-X. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. But like what's the Louisiana yeah. of the Star Wars universe? Like, which planet <laughs> is that? I'm curious. What's New Orleans? Yeah. Oh, man, that's funny. It's like that, that episode of Avatar, The Last Airbender, where they go to the swamp, and they, like, all the swamp people, and he's like, we just can! I want that in Star Wars. Has that been done yet? Let's We're go, almost let's, there. Let's go back to Dag- Dagobah and meet the natives. I want to meet the natives on Dagobah. Oh, it'd so, be like, it'd be like swamp people. <laughs> Swamp Dude, people of Dagobah. I love it. God, well, to your original question, Charles. We just lost all um, of our Louisiana followers, sorry. by the way. <laughs> sorry, y'all. Um, so, for... Affy d- kind of grounded me to an extent, but I'm not going to lie. Like, I found myself every time that we got an Affy-centric Bind Guild section of the book. Like, there were literally sections where, like, Comac flew in the air. And I'm like, let's go back to the flying people. Like, I was like... <laughs> I, cause I I love like I, I think honestly my favorite part of this book might have been the section on Coruscant where like we went and saw the council and we went yeah. and saw mm-hmm. like the Kyber Arch and I'm like yeah give me that give me that give me that good Jedi stuff, um, which actually <clears throat> now I'll save that I'll save that sorry tease, um, but I I I liked her stuff but I think it was either missing a bit of like import importance for me or <clears throat> the Jedi stuff was that much more interesting that I kind of found, found myself missing or especially Orla, who was probably my MVP of the book, but Orla and Comac and stuff like that. Uh, sorry. I can't let this go. Andrew in the chat. Hold on. I'm about is to send a- it to him. Asking, Andrew in the chat is asking what Star Wars planet is Alabama? And I cannot let this go. We have to discuss this right now. It's oh my god. Lotho Minor. Uh, Lotho Minor is also known as the junk trash world. planet. Wow. And, Andrew's from Alabama, so we can give him some crap for it. That's phenomenal. The junk world. Oh my god. Lotho Minor. I just typed into Google which planet is the garbage planet. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, you know what Alabama is? That's what it's whatever. Winning all his damn championships. <laughs> yeah, who's like really good at football? No, it, it's a uh, oh oh it's a uh, um Onderon Onderon's Alabama because Saw Guerrero's there and he's got a he's got a pickup football team. I would guarantee it. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> oh, Andrew says Corey tread carefully from Georgia. Yeah, no. I know. I, I don't want to talk about what what Georgia is. Hopefully, it was Alabama. It just got blew up. So yeah, you're it was from, uh, you're from Ta- <laughs> it was Alabama. Alabama did not get blown up. Hold on, let me let me clarify. No, 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 no. <laughs> Georgia's Tatooine. Let's go. Tatooine. Yeah, that's probably true. This is South Georgia this is... is virtually Tatooine. Where I went to medical school was absolutely Tatooine. Gotta be Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> 
right. All right. All right. That can be its right. whole own episode. The United States of Star Wars. We can do that. Um, but all right, getting back to Affy, though, she wasn't the captain of the vessel. Right. But do you think that she was the one in charge? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah, I think oh, so. Yeah. You know, and I honestly, I really like the, the the sort of exploration. It was a small exploration. You might not have caught it if it wasn't super obvious to you. But I really enjoyed the small exploration of like she's from like a super rich family, right? Like, yeah, and yeah. it's like there was a lot of sort of interesting conversations about privilege and should she do something about like her adopted mother's like super corrupt business and stuff because she said, you know, I can just wait. A, you know, 10, 20 years, and then I'll inherit all this, and I can change it to what I want, but she decided not to do that. That was really awesome. So I found that to be a very interesting conversation that happened kind of throughout the book. Like, it was it was an ongoing thing, so I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, I, I like their relationship, too. Like, Leox and Affy were, the two of them had really great natural banter, very, like, big brother um, that's kind of a hippie, and the younger sister. Uh, also, shout out to Leox. Um, is one of the like first blatant like confirmed on StarWars.com like asexual characters in all Star Wars. Like, yeah, they brought that up. Like, he had like a sexy talk with her about like that was her super feelings. smooth too. That was a it very was well done scene. I th- I loved that. That was very yeah. good. Didn't make it super crazy, but like again, we're we're always huge proponents of like all kinds of different kinds of representation in Star Wars, and it was nice to like see that naturally happen he's like yep not totally my thing but i see what you're going through so i liked that bit and i also just liked how he respected her youth which like you said Corey, is another treat trait of claudia gray like her young characters especially her her young women characters are always not questioned for their like their ability to lead or their ability to do things like he's like all right you have a good idea great we'll do it does the rock navigate great let's do it like (laughs) i thought they worked well together Oh as characters, God. even if their plots didn't necessarily propel me as much as the others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you bring up Leox. Let's go ahead and just talk about him. I, I mean, it, it's Matthew McConaughey. Space McConaughey! Space. Mm. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, these are Reese's first thoughts when he sees Leox on page 21. I wanted to bring this up. Is that man's shirt open to the waist? Is he holding out his arms to us like he wants a group hug? Does he want a group hug? Is that guy on spice? No. How much spice is that guy on? And that's just fantastic. <laughs> Amazing. He's honestly he's probably the most eccentric character we've seen maybe since I'm going to say since like Zaid Calladay. He was someone that's yeah. up there, I think in yeah, similar in, in some ways to him. Was Leox a character that that you found to be too out there? I think that's really the major question with him or did you enjoy his quirkiness? I loved it. Yeah, he was great. I thought it was great. I want to see that. I want to see that on screen. Like, I want to see him on in a TV show with a huge pimp hat with a giant feather. And (laughs) honestly, just let McConaughey do it. Yeah, like a four episode mini. Just get him. What's he doing? He's he's making YouTube channels about Texas football. Like, get McConaughey. Put him in Star Wars. Looks like he'd have that (laughs) that pungent McConaughey bo. You know? Oh, like you you (laughs) could smell the concept art. I'll be honest, like. <laughs> it's, it's that something. is a line I'd never expected to hear on this podcast. You can smell the concept art. Oh my god, that is funny. Well, let's yeah, look. and I like how we used to be like spice is like in legends is like medicinal and interesting, and now they're like spice is space drugs, and he's yeah. high. Like they're very blatant about what was going on. That was fun. I have some quotes here from Leox, and I want to read them because. 
he had such a strange <laughs> vocabulary and speech pattern. And mm-hmm. it, that's comparing it to stuff like in the prequels. All right. And it was still weird. And yeah. <laughs> some of his most unique quotes that, that I could find to pull out were these on page 34. Up with that, I cannot put, which sounds like a Yoda quote, but it's not. Oh, right. Uh, up with that, I cannot put, <laughs> a man's got to have standards. And since I lack the financial wherewithal to declare my independences from the guild, my personhood must be asserted sartorially. In other words, you can take my beads from my cold, dead body. <laughs> <laughs> What, what a great. line! Man, I, oh. appreciate, I appreciate the southern twang you Dude, threw on. True Detective <laughs> season one. That's it. On That's the it. on the very next page, he says, "My relationship to the metaphysical is my own to judge." Little bit. Okay. <laughs> Whoa, okay. man! I thought you were going somewhere different. That's I hit the T very hard. Uh, yeah. Little bit. Uh, <laughs> Listen here, little bit. <laughs> Page 65, this sounds like something Corey would say. Uh, you pull the head monk or whatever in here, and we'll go through these signals together. See if we got help or need to give help or should absent ourselves post-haste. What Who the hell? Absent ourselves post- like this. Really, the, you know what? Absent ourselves post-haste sounds like if I'm like wasted at a party I don't want to be at. I'm mean, like, I need to absent myself post haste. Is that how you speak <laughs> once you've been? <laughs> All right, and then on page sixty-six, nothing is even a thing until our thinking makes it so. What? That sounds like it came yeah, out of man. like a fortune even cookie. A thing. He's uh, like too everything Leox yeah. says can be followed by right. Like, yes, every right. line. <laughs> What is spice? Can we talk about this? Spice has been. So many different kinds of drugs in Star Wars. Is it? Yeah. Is it drugs? Is it weed? Like, what is it? Just blanket drugs. You can snort it. You can shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, there's a spoon. I mean, it gets in there faster. We know all the kinds of different things. There's down fire and stuff now. We know in this time period from Light of the Jedi. Right, Ride the Storm. Yeah. Yeah, so. spice is whatever the story needs it to be, and the, and the writer's responsibility there's, is there's to a, make it. You know, it was really so. tragic. There was a spice lab explosion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's Elysia. That's know, literally what happens. Hap- it happens. It's ridiculous. That sounds like the name of like a Spice Girls album. Spice mm-hmm. Lab Explosion. Uh, spice oh, my lab God. Explosion. 2022. Uh, so, Leox's primary concern is basically to keep the vessel running and its crew together. Did this crew of the vessel overall, did it rank highly with you amongst other found families in Star Wars? Like, say, the ghost crew. The vessel? Mm. Uh, this, this was another one I had a lot of trouble with, is getting all the characters right in a, such a short period of time. And uh, honestly, I think it maybe it was a little, it's a little outside the norm, I believe, for Claudia Gray, actually, to write so many characters introduced so quickly in a young adult novel. She doesn't typically do that. Like, usually we get a lot of buildup. Like, think of... Uh, you know, Sienna and um, Thane. Oh crap, Thane. Thane. Thane and Sienna got a lot of attention early on, right? So, mm-hmm, yeah. um, but they just they name dropped everybody and gave them like they all had that. You remember that chapter early on when it introduced the characters and it showed all of their reactions to something that happened on the ship, like right back to back. And I was like, who yep, the yep. hell are these characters? <laughs> like, part of that is because yeah. I read it so quickly, but still, still. <laughs> well, and it was. It was interesting too that I I wonder what okay I'm, so the thing I mentioned earlier I'm going to drop it here, um, in our interview with Claudia Gray she mentioned on on a recording so I feel good about talking about it um, 
that initially Into the Dark was meant to incorporate this giant event. Mm-hmm. And that event got pushed to a later project. She didn't tell it us did, what the yeah. event was. She didn't tell us what that project was. But pretty decently far into the production of this novel, <laughs> yeah. the entire main climax changed. That's right. I think um, she. I think she told us in the interview that she had to rewrite a lot of it, or they had yes. to take out a large chunk of it. And I, I felt like that too. I in felt this book. that. Yeah, I yeah. did too. I did too. Yeah, and I wonder in terms of these relationships, is <clears throat> if whatever that climax was going to be. If that would have, like, because incor- Led of the Jedi also incorporates a ton of characters very quickly, but the Great Disaster kind of happens, and they branch off, and then you kind of retroactively understand them more. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this giant event would have maybe made that more of a thing. Again, it's all speculation. We know literally nothing other than That's what right. she said in that interview. Right. But I think I-, I definitely read, like, oh, there were some... <clears throat> connective elements from the beginning I thought that so I too. think you it, didn't it, rewrite like, as much. It felt like there was a bit of a vacuum in the book while reading it. Yeah. And like it's it's subtle. It's not okay. hugely apparent there. But it maybe maybe we're biased because we knew that going in. But I guess you had already read it though. So I already read it. Yeah. That's I read true. It. So maybe it was but, present. Also I, I'm very much appreciating this giant discussion about drugs that's currently happening in our chat <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> Spy specifically, Adrenal not drugs. drugs. Doing Doing drugs. drugs. All right. Well, I don't think can't wait to see the reviews for this episode. Uh, Yeah, I don't. I don't think anything could get us back on track more so than discussing the foundation. I think of this (laughs) the 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 bedrock, if you will, of the plot itself. Oh my god! Let's do it. Let's address the boulder in the room, guys. Geo. All right, he's a Vintian Geo. from Vint, and he is the navigator of the vessel. Geo. Can we listen? There are a lot of jokes out there <laughs> regarding Geode, but I want to pull up the official picture for what a Vintian looks Corey, like on Wikipedia. <laughs> Throw up the screen share, Wes. Look at Let's this. Holy this. crap. What? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is this? Wes, tell the people what you told me when you saw this. <laughs> That thing is a Serta Perfect mattress. <laughs> it is a rock mattress, and that's what Geode's—that's what Geode's physical appearance it's is. It's a bed. To it's a anybody. bed from the Flintstones. It, it, that's what it this was. Is. A rock mattress. <laughs> <laughs> rock mattress. Ba-da-ba, rock mattress. What, I'm oh curious though. God. What did you guys? What was your mental image of Geode in your head? Because my first one was. The the temple head from uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple, despite the fact that it's just a face, and they said he doesn't have a face. Then I started just hearing okay. Geo Dude every time that I read Geo. So I was thinking about the Pokemon. What were y'all thinking of? I can show you. Uh, it was it was this. This it. is what I saw. Literally, this one, <laughs> okay. the top right. That's literally Wait, what I isn't pictured. It, just... Isn't that like the fake rock you hide your key in? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, or like a speaker no, next to that your pool. Exactly. That is one hundred percent what 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 uh what Sam's cloak or what Frodo's cloak looks yes, like when he hides yes, Sam and Sam it. in the front that's of Mordor. It. That is one hundred percent what I was picturing. Like just sitting in a pilot seat. All right. Real talk, because I said that I, I was yes. I didn't know if I was going to bring this up on this show because it's hugely controversial. I was incredibly annoyed by Geode. 
hot sure. take of the Living Force. I did not enjoy him as a character. I thought that that joke went on and on and on and on, and I was tired of freaking reading about it. I was like, fine. I actually just flipped. I flipped forward to the end of the book about three quarters way through <laughs> and found the geode like reveal that it's not just an elaborate joke. It's an elaborate ruse. It's not right. Like. <laughs> I see it annoyed the shit out of me. I don't know why. It just I it annoyed me, dude. I couldn't handle it. I was not ready. I, you, Wes, you had a feeling. You're boring. <laughs> Your imagination <laughs> is crap. How did you not like Geode? You're all of the funny all of the qu- funny quips and lines that Affy oh, and Leox right. were saying the about only what joke, he was doing. Right. The only that joke. was hilarious. <laughs> the only... I have them written down. I took <laughs> screenshots of the pages in the dark and the cold when when the eternal winter storm came flowing through Texas. And I have about six quotes, and they are all great. Read them out. Read, 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 the, one read, about about the, read the one about the partying on Coruscant. That was the all only right. joke that I really struck with. Yeah, I did like that one. That one was good. So this one is... Um, instead of answering his questions, she said, where's Geode? Hitting the clubs. The gods only know what time he'll be back. Someday that guy's going to have to slow down. I don't know how he does it, Effie said, but the shared joke brought no smile to her face. Yeah, I... Hitting the clubs. I, in the clubs. I'm, I'm Here gonna, we are. In the clubs. <laughs> Talk about a wallflower. Uh, you know what? Surprisingly... The as <laughs> the rock. He is the wall. I mean, oh, there, was, there was Geode was already giving him the death glare. No point piling on. Like, what other glare or look is this guy gonna give oh, somebody? So All right, party found spilled my drink everywhere. So oh. while Corey's doing that, I'm gonna agree with you, Wes. I enjoyed Geode quite a bit. Um, oh, purely because of the way. Claudia Gray was able to, like, write around him using that stuff, right? Like, the little tension breakers here and there were phenomenal. Like, when the when the first uh, previews came out, like, a couple months before this release, they released, like, you know, a couple chapters in a digital sampler, um, and it had the Geode intro on it, and it really tickled me. Kind of throughout, I, I got really happy. By the end of it, I was a little more confused. I was like, wait, what's going on? And then, of course, when he saves Wreath, I'm like, oh, okay, there's there's something there. Um, but he did he actually? Well, how did he save Reed though? He I just don't like know. stood there and didn't tell us Maybe. anything about him. I, <laughs> I was I, absolutely I, was convinced. There. I was absolutely convinced that it was all going to be a giant joke. That like it yeah. was Leox is on this crazy acid trip and he thinks this rock is real and everyone just plays along. I thought it's really what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I I don't need. So I'm I don't need to see like a ton more of Geode. I'm not gonna be like, oh, where's Geode in this story? Like. It's yeah. fun. It was a fun gag. Um, was. Yeah, it was fun and a lot of Claudia Gray to flex some muscles. I've literally never seen her like straight up, like just straight slapstick comedy. And I think yeah, like, yeah. she's, she's not she's not done much about That's that. That's fun. You know, the other thing I'll say about Geode is like the whole fandom menace crowd was like super anti Geode. I don't want oh to be any God. way affiliated with those people either. So like, you know, I, I freely admit all right, here's a, another hot take. I don't enjoy the office. <laughs> <laughs> Which Me is, neither. Sorry, okay. we're gonna lose our. Okay. We're gonna lose everyone. Thank you. Sorry, Thank you. I don't. I don't have that sense of humor. I just don't. I don't have that dry sense of humor. It's it's stupid. I, I like classic slack slapstick comedy, like uh, 
like uh, the great outdoors, like planes, trains, automobiles. That stuff is funny to me, but the office <laughs> is not that funny to me. So, you know. The great outdoors. I love the great outdoors. Wow. Such a good movie. The bear scene. So, yeah. that is so good. <laughs> All right, hold on. Before hair off his butt. Right, we're go going down a road. Charles, what do you think of Geode? No one ever I, asked, how is Charles? Uh, How'd you like it? I loved Geode. He played very well with me. But you know what? I like The Office, so apparently my sense of humor is stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I really liked Geode. And let's be clear. I don't know how he did it, but he is a hero. We don't know if he sprouted yes. some legs and walked. We don't know if he floats. We don't know anything about the guy. But I do want my Geode spinoff novel, and I want it in 2022. He's just standing I there menacingly. <laughs> just, just scrapes across wherever he's going, makes the loudest damn noise, leaves little pieces of dust and rock wherever he's going. Oh but God. you don't notice it because you're involved with something else. No, you know what we find out at the end of uh, the next, the Out of the Shadows, Justina Ireland book is that Geode is actually a Palpatine. Oh, oh God. So the you last know? quote that I have is when they have to go back, and it's and they go, we have to go back to the Amaxing Station. Geode was speechless. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. He, you know, Geode is like paprika. You know, like a little bit, really just emphasize. But you put too much on, and I'm like, I don't want that. That's overpowering. <laughs> Geode, Geode really it. is like paprika. Wow. Okay. He is. <laughs> You're well, welcome. Let's move on from Geode. I, I wish this could be Geode Power Hour, as our listeners were asking for at the beginning of this stream. But we got to <laughs> move on from him. And we've got to talk about Orla and Comac. And I kind of want to talk about them together. Yeah. We can bounce back and forth Great. a little bit. And it's because their stories kind of start in the same place, right? Before ever meeting Reef <clears throat> when they were Padawans. So just to recap, since I left this out of the beginning... We meet them when they're Padawans on a mission to rescue a couple of nobles that have been kidnapped. And they essentially rush into a trap, and it causes their ship to be shot down. It causes the death of Simix, who was Comac's master. And then they basically travel through these serpent-infested caves uh, with Orla's master. And eventually, they do find the criminals that kidnap the nobles. However, they're only able to save one. The other noble is shot and killed by one of the criminals before they're able to stop him. And that experience really colors a lot of how they feel about things in the modern day story or in the present tense of this story when they are with Reef in the Amaxine station. And Mm -hmm. first of all, I want to ask, did that story hold enough weight for you all? Did that fail? Not even mission? a little. Okay. Yeah. I was, and that, and I this was actually, is why I, I was just going to ask you guys that too. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I didn't at all for me. In fact, I was going to no. ask you what was the purpose of that? Was it? Was I think. It, I think this is. This is. It would have tied more. This into is what the big, happened. The big event. Yeah. 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 Okay. okay. Well, and I also think that like so. This is a really weird critique. I don't think I've ever given of a book before. The literal publishing of the book confused me as to what time period we were in. Because it would like mm. go into the flashbacks, and usually there's like a certain italicizer or, or, a, or a symbol of page break. But then there were like chapters within the flashback that were that had the little High Republic symbol <clears throat> between them, and I thought that meant we were going to the present. And oh, yeah, I like yeah. that's right, and, that's right. And it, it didn't even have like a every single time. I think the first time it had like a like a 
I don't know, 25 years earlier or whatever it said, but I yeah. don't think it did that after that. So yeah, I'm, like I'm the, actually with you. It took me, like, I would have to be three pages into that before I was like, oh, okay, we're back in the past yeah. again. And they introduced, like you said, we said earlier, they introduced so many characters in that yep. flashback, and they're, they're, they're like 50 pages apart, <clears throat> like, a lot of the time that I'm like, I forgot everyone that was in it. So I think this was a, a, a potential casualty of the rewrite. <clears throat> yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah, well, I, I, you could have cut those pages, and I wouldn't have lost anything. That, yeah. that is, of course, that is, of course, we have to admit that is speculation, right? We don't yeah, actually know 100%, that that, any 100% that speculation is anyway no related to whatever wasn't written or whatever. And it's it's hard for us not to get a little meta about that stuff because we talk yeah. to the authors and that sort of thing. But you know, let's so let's take it for canon for what it is. I suppose yeah. I suppose the story is to highlight, um, what's his name? Ka, Ka, uh, Comac Ka, Vitus. Comac Comac. I Cognac. suppose just to highlight. I suppose it's to highlight Cognac's like like struggle with grief and like the Jedi flaw of like not being able to grieve for your master, which, uh, you know, I actually want to talk about that a little bit. I kind of disagree with that, uh, actually. Like, I don't Mm. really I don't really get the feeling that the Jedi force down your throat that you're not supposed to like grieve for your masters and stuff. Like, do you guys what are your thoughts on that? Was that whole, was that handled well? That struggle yeah. that was highlighted through this book. It, I think it was tough because this early in an, in an initiative, we don't really know what the Jedi do yet in this era, and I think okay. that that's a, it. Might be their way of telling us that. But I want to bring up something that uh, Maggie actually said in the chat. Um, she said uh, the stakes for the rest of the novel were much higher, and I wish that the catastrophe of the past was more jarring. Because I love the themes that it introduces. And I agree. Yeah. I think that like the theme of grief, the theme of how to grieve properly, the theme of, you know, you can't save everyone. These are very Star Wars-esque things. They're very Jedi-esque things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it feels very, very weird that it, it is less thematic and less character and more execution um, than I think I had an issue with. Uh, <clears throat> Stephanie here says um, that she loved those past attachments and segments or segments with Orla and Comac. The only criticism is that they were uh, spaced too far apart. And I think oh, yeah. that, that, That's is, a fair that is the point. They were short, too, right? I mean, it took forever. Yeah. It took the whole book to get through a really short story, I feel like. So, yeah. Uh, so I, I, put them closer I, I, together or, like, <clears throat> yeah. It was, it, it, was an incong- it was incongruous, I felt. I do think it served a purpose, though. We, we, uh, yes. I, I do enjoy any exploration of uh, sort of Jedi philosophy of like what they can and can't do and like, like highlighting the flaws of the, you know, sort of order and the ideology that they follow and stuff. I do enjoy those, those thought provoking conversations for sure. And I like the idea of, uh, you're not really supposed to grieve for your master. I like the, that, that can be a struggle. It was just, it was a little hard to get to in, in this book. I feel like, um, and is the, uh, what 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 are they called? Wayseekers? Is that what Way they called seekers. them? Wayseeker. Way yeah, I love that idea. <clears throat> is that Let's, new? I've never it heard is, that that's before. That's new as far new. as I know. That's the first I've heard. It is new. And, yeah. And that's we're gonna cover honestly, for as much as I just asked the leading question and, and implied that there's <laughs> not very much weight behind what actually happens, a ton of our overarching questions that we're gonna get to about the faults of the Jedi, about this idea of grieving, and about Wayseekers, <clears throat> all these things they came out of those parts of the book. So yeah, they did. Uh, yeah. There is material there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what I think. That's why you have to say, that's why I say you just have to accept it for Canon and try not to get 
too worked up about like the writing style yeah. structure and things yeah. like that because it's easy easy for that to rub people wrong and sometimes is is frustrating which i imagine is pretty challenging as a writer particularly on these types of projects because you know that these star wars books they get chopped up and then they're like oh, yeah like all right so then you've written this you've written this whole like short story about this flashback and then their editor suggests that they break it up across like a significant part of the book so like right. you know i imagine that that's incredibly challenging to do just professional perspective a little bit yeah and uh, I want to also add one thing about uh, Orla and Comac as a whole. Because in, in the modern day, I really enjoyed the two of them. I, Orla was a fascinating character to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really, I mean, one, she had like the the two, the hinge, double-bladed white lightsaber. Always a fan mm-hmm. of that. Her, She's in a barren. Like, the design description was really freaking cool for her. And I love the idea of the Wayseeker being an accepted thing in the Jedi, that I am willfully leaving the Jedi essentially on like a sabbatical-esque indefinite It was leave. Orla that did that, right? <clears throat> Yeah, yes, Orla did it. Yeah. yeah, to go listen. Like yeah. she's like, I'm gonna go listen to the forest, kind of that was find odd. my own that was path. Odd to me too. So, so yeah, let's sorry, let's unpack that some. Let, let's yeah. kind of move on from what happened in the past. Let's talk about what a way seeker is. What this book tells us because it is new, Corey. To your point, this is not okay. something we've ever seen before. Though we may have seen some kind of you know quasi, I don't know, quasi way yeah. seekers in the past. But mm-hmm. on page 18, this is the actual introduction to Orla, and it reads. Orla Jereni had recently declared herself a wayseeker, a Jedi who would operate independently of the dictates of the council. So that's really all we know that it means. The book does go on to tell us that wayseekers can do anything from meditate on mountaintops to actually become minor singing sensations on Alderaan. They literally said that a wayseeker did that previously. So yeah, that's right. So why didn't Anakin <laughs> just do that? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, a great one. are these just Jedi that aren't quite Jedi anymore? Like, yeah, are there the almost the almost lost twenty? Is that what Orla is yeah. a part of? Like, what mm-hmm. is their true purpose? They can't afford. They can't afford to put statues for everybody that disagrees with the Jedi Order in the library. <laughs> so they, they just created this middle ground. It'd be too expensive. You know Bronze is pricey. Have you seen the price? Don't of try bronze it, lately? Anakin. It's outrageous. <laughs> don't try it, Anakin. I have the middle ground. Yes. Yeah, Andrew <laughs> makes a good point. Like the Wayseeker, are, it seems like they're kind of doing a canonization of Grey Jedi uh, a little bit. But nice. but I like to think of it. This is a little odd, but hate the idea it, it kind of read to me like like the idea of Rumspringa in the Amish community. Oh, uh, yes. We're like you leave for a while and like experience the world fully. Like none of the restrictions, just kind of. And if you want to <clears> stay there, you totally can. It's like you're not disavowed. It's fine. Um. And I think I think the Wayseekers are essentially like I don't know if I believe <laughs> everything. I think in the strictest sense, Yoda once he leaves and goes into exile in Dagobah could possibly be considered a Wayseeker. Mm-hmm. Like I think he leaves the That's Jedi a seeker, a seeker to go way. listen. Yeah, to go listen fully to the Force to really just figure out if the Jedi are getting in your way. And I think a lot of Wayseekers, I would assume, eventually come back to the fold with what they've learned, incorporate it into the code, and then grow. I would assume that's maybe. the idea. Maybe, right? Let's say mm-hmm. that maybe, maybe. a wayseeker, um, it sounds like they're they're following their feelings more than a regular Jedi would. But they're yeah, also using sure. the Force, right? Mm-hmm. And going along the, uh, I don't want to say, I don't want to say the word, but let's say um, light black Jedi. There you go. Is that, can I say that, Corey? Does that make you not want to throw up? <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, I mean, maybe that it's a it's a foreshadow of what's to come, right? So a lot of <clears throat> Jedi move towards 
not a lot of Jedi, but some Jedi move to being way seekers and they don't come back to the Jedi order. They go and do something else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they form something else. They could, you know, eventually move path towards the Sith. Is this when the Sith get reintroduced mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. along those lines? That's a good but point. I, I thought that whole, like that whole uh, story <clears throat> between Comac and Orla was, was to put out that the way seeker of her trying to follow her feelings more than actually the teachings of the Jedi would have saved more lives. And just to put a point there that she should follow um, what she was feeling and not yeah, the, the Jedi, uh, the Jedi teachings. Yeah. Why I mean, did you um... nailed it earlier? If, 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 sorry, I was just gonna say, I, you said it earlier and I wanted to come back to it. If that had been open to Anakin, like, Hey, right. Go be a way seeker. My dude. Yeah, like, I know. We'll see, or Qui Gon. I mean, that's, Qui-Gon that's, would have been a way seeker. Maybe that's not a remake all the movies. There you go. Remake Yeah, maybe it's not a thing anymore. By the time we get to the Clone Wars era, so I, I don't I know. Man. Why. why did Why did Orla become the way seeker and not, you know, Comac? Why Why Why? Because like, it was Comac was the one that had all the grief and issues yeah. with the Jedi Order and stuff. Why did Orla become the way seeker? That was an interesting design choice. I felt yeah. like. Maybe we don't know yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he doubled down for a reason. Like, cause, cause Charles, did you was it you that said uh, at the beginning of this Comac was your favorite character in this book? I, no, Who I think that? Jared said last week that that Comac was his. Jared favorite. was, yeah, he said it was Slack. Jared. It was in your screen. I don't remember. Y'all look the same. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're all white guys to talk about Star Wars. We're pretty generic, yeah, whatever. to be honest. Here, here's another point I wanted to bring up because this book made it seem as if the Jedi Council has to allow you to become a way seeker. Like it, it described yeah. how Orla had to go and say, I want to do this. And they had to be like, yeah, that's cool. Go for it. But <laughs> if way seekers are operating outside of the council, is that not somehow the council admitting that they don't have all the answers? Is that them saying that they don't always make the right decisions? Like, yeah, maybe that's why it's not an option in Clone Wars because they yeah. would never ever do yeah. that. Mace would time. never. It feels like sabbatical. Mace would it never like let an, you be like a, a way seeker. Yeah. yeah, it feels like a professorial sabbatical where yeah. they're like, "I'm just gonna peace out for like six months and go to Greece or something." Yeah, <laughs> which is what my professor did. Well, you sound <laughs> for real, like you still happened. hurt about that. Do you want to talk? I'm about fine it? by it. I'm fine. It was my senior year, whatever. All um, right. So, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm reading through. I'm reading through more comments here and there's a couple other really great things um maggie says something that was really striking about the flashback was that orla felt the death of comac's master was in some ways her fault because she didn't listen to the force so i think that's a really i think we'll come back to that next week about yeah listening to the force in different levels i think that's a really good part about this book that they did really well with um and then cad ben says um she struggled with following her instincts and felt restricted by the order's rules so it feels like she was following her instincts to branch out and discover where they could then take her. And I think that's a cool part about this philosophy. Like, this was definitely a book to kind of wrap up tonight, right, about, like, all these characters we've talked about seem to have this common thread of breaking out of where they are now. Like, Reith is a student that wants to go to the frontier. Affy is, like, kind of stuck in this co-pilot slash subservient role, but does she want to take over the guild? Does she want to do other things with her life, learn the truth about her parents? Orla breaking out of the Jedi, like, this whole book is really about people experiencing new things. Yeah, totally. And I think that was really interesting, which, mm. again, plunges them, quote, into the dark, if you will. Mm. So I did like that. Mm. Yes. I see. Get out. 
Yes, that was such a good one. Good I will bit. soon. I got to do the outro in a little bit. Yeah. Well, let's just wrap up with Comac. Next week, we'll we'll uh, pick things up with the villains and then get into the overarching questions. But Comac, I wanted to point out a, a couple of things about him. On page 37, we get uh, Comac describing what he does because he was a folklorist, right? And like a mystic and a scholar. That was kind of his role. And he said, there are species who respect outsiders who push them hard and demand the facts. There are also species who eat outsiders like that. It's best not to pry until you know which kind of culture you're dealing with. While you're waiting, you study their art, paintings, tapestries, literature, symbolism, and allegory can reveal a lot. Then you ask about the art and the legends come naturally. So... Comac is basically Thrawn in the High Republic (laughs) time period, right? Yep, there it is. Yep, thank you. I I had to point that out because I felt like I was reading a Thrawn passage. I really did. But what's, I think, more telling is this quote that I think we'll we'll end on from Comac. And it plays really well into all kinds of major Star Wars ideas and themes. Um it plays into ring theory, even in, you know, if we're getting into the kind of meta stuff that George Lucas talked about with, you know, why he made the prequels the way he did. The quote is this, it doesn't matter how far we run or in what direction. In the end, we always come back to the beginning. So Mm. he's referring to what happened, of course, with Orla, you know, in their mission as Padawans. But do you think this had any type of, uh, bearing on the the present story in the book what involved the station uh and and all of those things very possibly i Mm. mean the reference that that all eras of star wars have for the past whatever that past means um is evident since the beginning i mean it's a story about legacy we talk about that with every author we talk to like which is, by definition, the past. Like, how will the past be remembered by the future? What lessons will you learn? What things will you take with you? Um, and, you know, Wreath is a protagonist who is entrenched in the past, in the archives. That is his whole thing. And and Comac, I think, is a really interesting, you know, figure for him to look to, which is why, you know, they get together at the end, is Comac is all about the past, but the oral history past. Like, the legends from direct sources. Like he is, he's like the archives a step further. Yeah. He's like, I will learn from the people who lived this. I will learn from the tales talked down to people. And when we see ahead of time, the fall of the Jedi in the prequel era, they've stopped listening to the past. They've stopped listening to the things that could tell them about the Sith and could tell them about these things. Right. Cause they're too focused on the immediate present. So I think one of the reasons that Comac is so interesting is that he is kind of that nice balance for Wreath to look up to. Like, I am in the moment, but I am always listening to the voices that came before us so I can learn, so I can evolve. And most importantly, he flies. Um, <laughs> that is that is actually the most important thing about him. He flies, yes. They fly now. They fly. <laughs> they fly now? Good they fly now. Stuff. There's no better way to end it. Like I said, we'll pick up next week. We'll talk about Nan, sweet, innocent old Nan. Uh, we'll talk about the <laughs> Dren gear, and then we'll talk about a whole lot of important things uh, like grief and major ideas like that. But for now, I'll kick it back to Eric. All right. Well, as Charles said, next week is going to be a phenomenal part two. of This, this is the two-part roundtable, so we'll be going through the rest of what we got. Um, as a reminder, uh, some people around the world, uh, daylight savings time was observed in the U.S. this week. It was not everywhere. 
So keep your eye on our YouTube channel for we will be going for when we're going live. It will be 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, so to make sure that you don't miss our show next week, hit that little bell next to the subscription. I, I hate, hate that. Make sure to subscribe to the channel and hit the bell uh, so you know like when we're going subscribe. live. Uh, we'll be going through that. Uh, and, of course, thank you to everyone in the chat for hanging out tonight and encouraging this conversation. This is the stu- literally the thing we love doing the most every week. So we will be back next week to finish it up. But on that note, my friends, that will do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you support us on Patreon, thank you so very much. And even if you don't, make sure you check out the Utini Discord, where next week <laughs> we will be bringing back our Aftermath After Show for a celebration, we'll talk all about Into the Dark, or we'll talk about Corey's hatred in movie theaters. Who knows? That'll be next <laughs> week after coming out for the party. A special thank you goes out to Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi Head Council, and Kyle Hickman, Elizabeth QTA, Jason Mitchell, Freddie C., and Sally, and Chris Eilerson in our Alliance High Command for their amazing support. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at Doc Star Wars MD. Charles Zetsy Hankel, and Wes is at Boss Wes. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire, and Wes, our producer and community manager. Thank you to Corey Charles and Westwood Podcast with me tonight. Thank you to all of you in the chat for hanging out, and as always, may the force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. Join the Utini community and surround yourself with like-minded fans at utini.com. And remember, the force will be with you, always.